Welcome to the Health Hour. It's Wednesday afternoon, 1 to 2. I'm Dr. Jonathan Witt. And uh, back after a little hiatus. I uh, hope you didn't miss me. And uh, starting off uh, this week, as always, we've got Catherine Child from The Times uh, chatting about uh, what's in the news with regards to health. Catherine, how are you? Great. It's just started banging. Um, started speaking. I hope you can hear me. I can't hear you. Okay. Um, yeah. So what's uh, what's been happening? Oh, I'm not going to do anything. I think I'm going to start with um, Captain Holford. Yeah. And so you follow his advice to the team? No, right? absolutely. Patrick Holford, the guy who's got no medical training whatsoever, who tells people to take vitamins instead of medicine. That guy. Yes. Yes. That guy. So that guy has been given um, accreditation to train doctors. Um, as you'll know, doctors have to get CPD points every year and for just 30 hours of training. They're supposed to make them better and keep up with latest research. Ha-ha. But instead, they can go to Patrick Holford and learn. They'll get four points of their 30, learning how to burn fat fast on a weekend. Oh. <laughs> a little bit of an uproar. Yes. Um, so, uh, and I heard that Sama had taken up the, the sort of cause um, with the Sama Health Professions Council. They're not very happy about it because doctors really should be learning about medicine and preferably not that vaccines don't work, according to Patrick Colbert. Yeah, he uh, he quite supports uh, that guy we don't talk of from the UK who was uh, thrown out for saying vaccines cause autism and falsifying research. He writes long, long articles about how great that guy is. I read a few and how you shouldn't vaccinate your kids. So just don't listen to him. But I'm hoping my GP is not going to get training from him either. Um, so I'm going to meet with the HPCSA, but everything's gone pretty quiet now. Um, but we, uh, we haven't managed to find out why he got accredited to train doctors. Yeah. Um, so it certainly makes a mockery of your training, that's for sure. Sure. All right. Well, uh, hopefully uh, hopefully they deal with him and, uh, and, and rescind those points because uh, I don't think it's appropriate at all. Um, what's, uh, what's happening with this diabetes story? But I did speak to people who are oh, like dietitians and professors and even an astrologist who gives people, helps people with the kidneys once they are diabetic and they the kidneys up. Yeah. And the Venus South African NGO has decided to endorse some products to help its members, the diabetics, know what to eat. Okay. And they get paid to do this. So they get paid 8,000 rand a year and 14,000 rand for testing. The problem is the products they've endorsed, according to professors and doctors and a whole lot of dietitians I contacted, are not that great for diabetics, which, you know, Yeah, kind of counterintuitive. So, you know, these diabetics are now, if you're going to follow by the product and see the stamp that says diabetes SA and drink the stuff... But they, they've, they've uh, accredited things like juice, like uh, high, high sugar-containing juices. Big apple juice, 500 moles, and the dietitians are supposed to say they shouldn't be drinking that much if you're diabetic, like maybe 100 moles. Yeah. Yeah, they put a stamp on that. They put a stamp on apple sizer, which has a lot of sugar in it, 330 moles, which you shouldn't be drinking. They've accredited Pinuto, which has added sugar, as in table sugar in it, <laughs> and at least two spoons for your morning breakfast, which most of the experts... Although I do have to say... It's not ideal... 
it's it's absolutely miserable being a diabetic. When we have Adam in the studio again, he, we will get him to expound more on it. But it's uh, it's quite miserable. So um, you know, being being having to eat specific foods, I think that's uh, might be part of it. Is they were just like, nah, we'll just accredit everything and just take more insulin if you if your sugar goes up. I mean, that's what some of them say, like, eat whatever you want and then take insulin. But then the other the dietitians think that was a really great idea. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. So, um, let's... let's so, yeah, mo- there's a... Yeah? There's a... Okay. Um, I just wanted to chat, uh, talking about uh, sort of national health issues, uh, this Ebola story, um, sort of uh, two-pronged sort of part of it uh, firstly our preparedness what's uh, what's oh, happening South with Africa. that yeah well they keep saying we're prepared I'm a little bit skeptical um, well it hasn't come here yet it got to Spain and America so we've got to give us some credit yeah, well, yeah it hasn't come here yet because we haven't um, evacuated anyone else <laughs> um, to enough. treat them like the Spanish people did you hear the second nurse who treated um, one of the priests in Spain is now thought to have Ebola. She's undergoing testing because she has symptoms like a fever. So you'll notice none of the doctors have got Ebola, just the nurses. I'm just putting it out there. But anyway, yeah, a lot of the healthcare workers have suffered, and the government is asking healthcare workers like you and mostly nurses to go off to Sierra Leone. There is no hope in hell of ever getting me anywhere near Sierra Leone, anywhere near it. Okay. If, if you tell me the patient has Ebola, I get in my car and I drive at least 400 kilometers in the opposite direction. And I don't mean to be alarmist. I don't mean to, no, 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 no. I did not sign up to die. I'm sorry. There's a very big difference. Uh, you, you, you first got to put yourself at, uh, you, you first got to make sure you're, you're safe. A dead doctor ain't going to save any more lives. So, um, okay, but there are experts in this country who are more than happy to run towards Ebola um, with their uh, high protective suits on, and, and I'll let them do it. Yes, so basically, that's what they want to do. They want 75 nurses to go off to, um, to Sierra Leone, and actually what the Director General said, she asked Big Business for money to fund this, and she said, if we don't do something there, it's going to come here. Like, the longer it stays out of control in West Africa, the, the more nervous... Right, so, the, the idea is stop it at the source. <laughs> That's exactly it. So, people who are not like you are going to go on their way soon, and they're having a... No, look, they'll, they'll easily find people. I mean, there's next week our show's on MSF, and I'm sure they can tell you there are hundreds of medical wannabe heroes in the world who will go off to pretty much anywhere <laughs> with the risk of dying, being shot, etc., etc. So I'm sure there won't be a problem. I'm the only one with a bit of logic, um, or one of the few. Sorry, no, you like. Well, they, don't need, they need money. That's the problem. So they may have the doctors and nurses, but they're still asking but, but, business for money. But what's the story <laughs> about the poor dog? Oh, so... What's made headlines in Spain is so this nurse assistant got it for her from treating a Liberian priest who'd been evacuated from West Africa. And they've now quarantined her partner, who was living with her, in case he got it and is going to spread it. So while he's sitting in quarantine waiting to see if he develops this disease that can kill him, his dog is sitting alone in the apartment with a bath full of water that he doesn't get thirsty, and apparently 15 kilos of food he left with the dog when he had to suddenly be evacuated. You know, because dogs generally go, hmm, I won't eat it all today, I'll leave it for tomorrow. 
like, I don't know what's going to happen after day two. Shame. So the officials want to euthanize the dog because they say there's some research to show the dog can get Ebola, which is, doesn't sound too scientific, but the man is very, very upset. So he started an online petition <sighs> to save his dog, which has got the Spanish probably <sighs> more upset than, the, than they are about the Liberians dying with Africa. Sure. And he's written one of their top bits, and he just, he doesn't want his dog to, wants to save his dog. Yeah, all right. Uh, and then finally, we, we're paying girls in Swaziland 200 rand to not have sex. Yes, 200 rand. And one of the girls said, well, what's 200 rand? I can get that for one sex act, as she put it. Um, and they want more money. But look, it's... Are Swazi girls expensive? I, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not in the trade, so I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, they, they, they're quoting 200 rand as being one sex act so I mean I don't know how much does sex act cost anyone in the studio <laughs> don't shake your heads yeah <laughs> anyway but the idea being they want to stop them from having sex in the hope of what stopping spread of HIV and, and so on and so forth yeah they were, exactly they're saying that they go they need you know they need money and they're very very poor and there's so much unemployment in Swaziland, and so you know, desperate for food or money or school fees, they have sex. So if they give them to grand, they might not, and they'll be less likely to get HIV, or more likely to have kind of the power to say, well, you use a condom. But I mean, another teenage girl said, today's girls need things like airtime for our cell phones. Two hundred grand is not enough. I know that this is a problem. I know it's a it's a it's a harsh reality, but it's it's it's. Almost, uh, it's almost strange in terms of, uh, that you would, you would hope people would be a bit more cautious with their health. Although I, I think history's proven they aren't. Anyway, uh, Catherine, thanks very much. Good chatting to yeah. you again. Cool. Welcome back. Thank we'll you. See you next week. Yeah, we'll chat to you next week. Thanks so much for the stories. Cheers, eh? Cool. Bye. Bye. Right, uh, we're going to take a break quickly, and when we're back, uh, we're chatting to some of the cliffcentral.com staff members, uh, some of whom have been sick with some rather dodgy things recently, um, <laughs> others who've had some rather dodgy run-ins with doctors, uh, and we're just going to talk. Uh, I can't promise I'll know all the answers, but uh, we're going to chat and uh, see, see what comes out of it.
running wild again. My dear, we still have everything, and it's all in your mind. Yeah, but this is happening. You've been having real bad dreams. Oh, oh, you still lie so close to me. Oh, oh, there's nothing more than empty sheets between our love. Right, we're back with the health hour. We meant to have a sting there, but I've uh, I've got uh, a uh, producer who um, got hit by a train a long time ago. It's a, it's a terrible story. Anyway, so um, right, we're we're back on the health hour, and today uh, something a little bit different. So uh, I'm going to try to be the expert, which supposedly I am, uh, and I've got uh, some of the Cliff Central staff in the studio. Um, I've got Sia. Um, I'm so traumatically, you know, just sensitive right now. So I hope you'll. Sia's got lots of health problems. A lot. So, so yes. we're, we're going to discuss <laughs> that. Um, I've got Dory. Hi. Who I've been told is not Dory. Um, <laughs> don't ever do that. Um, right. Um, think before you name your children, people. Um, <laughs> it's more fun to make finding no, Nemo You know what? This, this, is, the, the this is the problem. Anyone can make a child. It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, we've got Flex in studio, um, right? Who's who actually has been quite sick recently? Well, a week, a month ago. About a month ago, I had the measles. Yeah, you didn't just have the measles; you had German measles. But I feel like after this hour, I'm going to no longer be scared of death and things that can kill me. <laughs> what does that mean? 
Because I do a lot of things that I think might kill me one day. Yeah, I, I actually, when I listen in the morning and they, they talk about your escapades on the weekend, I, I also think you probably do a lot of things that might kill yeah. me one day. <laughs> <laughs> you had, uh, you had rubella, which is, which is German measles. Yeah. Which is meant to be, which is meant to be the three day measles, actually. I had it for, I got it Wednesday morning. I just woke up out of the blue with it and then it went away about Saturday late yeah, afternoon, there you go. Sunday. So 72 hours is about right. And, uh, but during that time you felt like, uh, you wanted to. I had you actually couldn't do anything. Yeah. And then, at night, I would wake up. Only at night, I would wake up middle of the night, and my whole body just itching. Oh, terrible! I feel itchy just talking about this. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of itches. You know, rashes. I don't know what it is. Everyone wants to ask doctors about rashes. Do you know the yeah. one thing we get terribly trained on is rashes. We really know very, very little. So basically the sum total of what a general practitioner generally knows about rashes is um, if it's uh, acne, um, then obviously there's a whole bunch of treatment methods which we usually know. Um, and if it's not acne, you give it steroids. And other than that, we basically are relatively clueless. It's, it's unbelievable. You can get 300, 400-page textbooks with like photos on every page of like different skin diseases. We are... So don't ask me too much about rashes. I, I know the basics, but um, most of us are, are, are a little bit clueless. That's why dermatologists are booked out for months in advance. They're, ah. quite, a, they're quite a commodity. So that's where the money lies. Uh, well, <laughs> derms, yeah, they, they, they do well for themselves. Pathologists do well for themselves as well. What are those? Cutting, uh, cutting stuff out of you and then uh, interpreting it on a slide. Like, like if you, if you, uh, blood tests and stuff yeah, like well, that. blood tests, standard blood tests. But you see, they're clever because the standard blood tests are done by, um, machines essentially now. So if, uh, if you go to the hospital and they put a standard blood test, the machine generally interprets it. If you then go to theater and they pull something out of you and they need yeah. to see, well, this is this cancer, you know, like you get a mole cut out, for example. Yeah. They need to decide if it's cancer or not. They look at it and they decide whether it is or isn't. Or if it's suspicious. Um, but, uh, yeah, they do, they do quite well. They do quite, but they sit in rooms the whole day on their exactly. own. Exactly. So they just down get paid to operate machines. Yeah, essentially. So they're like doctors who are antisocial. They don't want to deal with people. They want to deal with Yeah, things. look, I gotta be honest. I quite like anesthetics and, and those, those are pretty antisocial human beings. I mean, you, you know, your patients are generally sleeping. So, um, <laughs> which is nice. I mean, other than the fact that, the, uh, the worst, most people who don't like anesthetics, the, the one reason they cite is they'll say, no, well, when you stick the tube down someone, then when you pull it out at the end, there's all this like mucus and snot. Yeah. Oh, what a kind wonderful of image like. to have. This is just <laughs> have eaten be amazing. <laughs> no. Well, we, 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 we we're working on your, on your <laughs> diet plan, which you do obviously don't need, but you know. No, he does need it. He needs to put on weight. <laughs> now, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen, okay, so let's, it's not my fault, first and foremost. Secondly, I have a fast metabolism and this crazy sleeping slash working pattern. Doesn't so, help. And he's a vegetarian. Oh, yes. That, now we know what's wrong with him. No, it's a mental that, illness. that is not my issue. My issue is, yeah, <laughs> all of that mixed together. And I'm very particular about what I eat. And I don't like... Even with regards to the vegetarian stuff. Yes, and I don't like experimenting with food. So that's the... No, look, I'm with you on the experimenting. He's a vegetarian who doesn't like, quote, a lot of cheese. 
When I, I, did a, I did a vegetarian stint. I lived on cheese. There was nothing else. Well, who wants <laughs> you, to walk around? Your caloric intake is probably not high enough. Yes. Who now? Your caloric intake. So I definitely not, know what that is. You're not like getting calories. enough calories. Oh, there we go. No, what doctors are very say? simple creatures. So essentially, we just take words and we add on like ick or ot or something like that or ologist. Like gastric. Yes, gastric. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, no, no, but, but gastric stomach, is stomach. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you not. Latin, it's just Latin. It's it's, it's 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 Latin or Greek si. generally, but no, uh, and then and then of course there's the abbreviations. You know the three letter words for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this. We need to get an FBC and a CLP on this patient because I think he has. Oh, a, I need CPR stats. CRE, you, know, you know the four one one video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I don't yet. understand if CSA says he's got a fast metabolism and I see him eating at work, but I never see him going to the bathroom at work. Then what? What's yeah, I don't that? think he's taking anything. Actually, I don't. Th- I don't think you got a fast. No, 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 I don't think you're taking enough. It is just a personal choice that this will get TMI. That's my version of three-letter <laughs> things. Too much information. TMI. But the thing is, I refuse to uh, undergo bowel movements at work. That's just an unwritten rule. No, for me. I, I think it's actually, and it's. Uh, don't you think that's psychological? I mean, they have done some studies into it. Where um, so there's travelers constipation. Which is a known thing. Um, so traveler's constipation. Traveler's constipation. So I don't know if you've ever noticed when you travel, yeah, um, especially far away from home, uh, then you don't go to the toilet for like two, three days, even if you're regular. Oh, oh yes, right. Yes. Like when, yeah, because it's like a foreign kind of toilet. So that's the thing. No, but I have visions of like being in the loo and I'm sitting down. Then someone walks in. They're like, "Oh, that. What's that?" <laughs> and then I'll forever be branded as <laughs> you can't be branded at this place is day one so I think you're fine See, so no I'll, I'll just still keep is, it is it only in the workplace or when you go visit friends or like, you're just like anywhere you're where people can only be only home guy <laughs> yes I, I only prefer being at home but have you Even, ever had diarrhea oh, we've had many an incident but I hide it very well. I, you see, I have a I have a um, friend who who used to suffer from extreme IBS. But when I say extreme, he would literally not need the toilet, no. and the next second he would need the toilet to the point that he was on a run once in one of the northern suburbs, oh, yeah. and suddenly the urge grabbed him, and uh, he he couldn't help himself, and he he had to um, take a dump in someone's uh, sort of on their pavement garden? slash front garden. Oh. Oh, um, so and they drove out while, <laughs> while he was doing this. And of course, of course, then the other problem is you're in nature and ugh, leaves don't actually work that well. So, so he uh, ended up running home without any underwear. See, that's why I never do something like Survivor as well. No, well, the, you see, I, and since it's a health show, I have to say I'm not convinced all of these things are very good for you. They probably knock a couple of years off of, off of your life. Cause you know, like theoretically, every time you put your body under a stress, yeah. then you take a physiological knock. So, your ability to cope the next time you take that knock is slightly less. So, same logic would apply um, to all of these things if you kind of stress your body out too much. This is not going to do me justice. I'm not going <laughs> to be depressed after this. But Dory's only I'm sorry, Dory. Yeah, Dory, Dory. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see. I'm gonna screw it up now because I screwed it up once. Um, so Dory's the only one who's given birth here. Yes, um, for thank, obvious reasons. Thank God. Um, <laughs> Let's just. Um, although I, I don't know. I think uh, I think the women might want us to uh, have, have have the option if if they could. Oh no, we'd never hear the end of it. The complaining it would just it wouldn't be worth it. You see, it would never be as sore for a male. 
Because even if you could implant a uterus, which they did earlier, yes. I, I, I don't know if you saw the story. Yeah. Um, this week, actually, uh, the first baby born from an implanted uterus no, um, was no, born. No, no. Where so, was it implanted? Uh, about a year or two ago. No, where? Oh, um, no, into a woman. Oh. Into a woman. But she had lost her uterus, and uh, she was of childbearing age. Sometimes it happens. And uh, so they they implanted a uterus like a like a donor organ like you would implant a liver or a heart or you know yeah. a lung, uh, and uh, yeah she's she's managed to give birth which is quite impressive. Um, but so in uh, theory they could do the in same theory to they could they could do the same to the to a man they just probably have to give you hormones and you you'd grow like moobs and and you know. Yeah. But where would the uterus go in a man? Because surely there's, there's no well, space. Well, it, it's an interesting thing because uh, I've actually uh, it's quite common. And I've seen uh, I've seen two of them uh, in my career. Um, so it's not that common, but I, I worked at Barra, which means you get to see everything. And uh, a woman who came in with uh, what's called extra uterine pregnancies. So I, I mean, the uh, common thing that happens is ectopics and, and things like that, uh, which is development of the baby outside of the uterus in the fallopian tubes, which is catastrophic usually. Um, but uh, occasionally the the women are not designed very well, so so. Thanks. <clears throat> wait, yeah, so uh, it's fine. I I love pissing off the feminists. So I- essentially, the um, the fallopian tube and the ovary are not actually connected, so they sit next to each other. I never did bio. Wait, I need. Okay, a- okay, so so okay. so you need to think of it like this. So the the ovary is essentially a rugby ball. Looks like a rugby ball. No, we're talking. Okay, and inside <laughs> inside the rugby ball. <laughs> Are uh, a whole bunch of eggs which every woman is born with. Okay, okay. Um, so she doesn't make them; she's born with them. All right. Okay, so she's got thousands of them so in it's each like a ovary. Yes, it's like a piñata. Oh, you should never hit better, it. Better than uh, <laughs> 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 so, so, so uh, once a month, um, essentially, in in uh, women who haven't reached menopause and women who have reached uh, menarche. So, in other words, women who menstruate. Yeah. So, well, not puberty generally, but anyone who menstruates, okay. essentially once a month, that ovary pushes out an egg. Tiny, tiny little thing. You, can, you can't really see it with the, with the naked eye. You can if you strain. Um, okay, so it, it pushes out this thing. The problem is, is that the ovary sits next. It's got to go down the fallopian tube into the uterus when, where, in theory, it gets fertilized, implants in the wall, and then you get a baby nine months later. But... The ovary is not attached to the fallopian tube. So at the end of the fallopian tube, it opens up and it's got these um, finger-like projections. They're called fimbria. Right? And uh, so the ovary explodes with this little egg. The egg is then meant to go, the fimbria kind of like pull it like this, like kind of in, a, like in the sea with a sea anemone. Yes. Yeah, that kind of vibe. Um, pulls it and pulls it in. Now, now on occasion, uh, sperm makes its way up there. An interesting sperm question before the show, so we'll get there. Um, <laughs> sperm makes <laughs> sperm makes its way up there, and uh, the egg doesn't make its way into the fallopian tube. And there've been cases, um, quite a lot, uh, where the egg then gets transplanted onto an internal organ. Usually, if it survives, the liver. And uh, the the um, uh, the cord and and the placenta and everything grow off the liver. And oh, there have yeah, been yeah. babies who've been born who wow. survived as what we call an intra-abdominal pregnancy. Surely that would have to be a cesarean section. Yes, yes. No, 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 <laughs> no, it's not coming. No, look, it's not going to swim through bowel to find the <laughs> vagina. 
Um, oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but uh, look, and obviously it can cause major problems, but yeah. there, there are cases where, where, where healthy babies have been born. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's uh. quite, uh, quite, quite, uh, is scarring in more ways than one. You, know, you see, you get scarred by this. I, I think it's fascinating. <laughs> see, you're speaking to a room full of young boys who don't even want to think about these things. Yeah, well, you <laughs> mean. <laughs> You've been through the process, though. Yeah, but I, I, I had the sunroof option. I, uh, I, we I like the sunroof. sunroof. I must say, this show is very pro sunroof. Um, um, sorry, medical aids. Yes, I never experienced labor in any form. I never even had Braxton Hicks. I, I never felt a contraction. I, um, yeah, you see, this is this is the way. This is modern childbirth. And and I I think I recovered pretty well. I don't remember though. Um, see, my cousin recently had a baby, and she was in such pain, and she could barely walk afterwards. And I was like, no, I definitely I did. Well, first of all, I had Sinep Forte, which has since been. Um, I think discontinued or banned yeah, or something. Yeah, they, they pulled it for a while. It's banned. So she's now on Tramacet, it, yeah. which is fantastic in its own way. But um, <laughs> so it's a it's a friend of morphine, Tramacet. For yeah. those of you wondering. But I, I think that so I was the, I was saying no, I, I I recovered really quickly, and and my husband reminded me that actually I just was really really high on the Sinem Forte, and I don't remember <laughs> it. But um, I do remember that I had. So it was it it was kind of an emergency cesarean because I was aiming for natural childbirth. Yeah. And then. The baby's responses were dropping. She wasn't engaged. The doctor yeah. said, "There's no way she's coming out by herself." Let's engaged, just go in and you get guys, it. who yes. you know, who, who let, let's explain. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm scoring you, Sia, but I, I think it's important. This is stuff you need to learn. So, so there's 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 basically a whole bunch of processes that happen as part of childbirth. One of them is in, we call it engagement. Um, it's actually engagement it's not the of muzzle top. No, 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 <laughs> Lachaya. It's uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's, uh, it's uh, engagement of the baby's head into the pelvis. Um, so, um, <laughs> so listen, were you born nat? You must have been born natural. No, I was the were you big born headed, rural. I was the bo- the big headed kid. So, so did you I Caesar? Was, I was a Caesar. Yes. All right. You were also sunroof. Yeah. yeah so, uh, anyway, so you, you, yeah, so you, she you was nowhere up. near the pelvis and she was not interested in coming out. And I, um, yeah. So you the know, doctor I, said, let's go in and get I wouldn't her. be interested. It's so nice and warm in there. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, you so what does it mean when it's engaged? No, but don't men spend wanna... their life trying to get back inside there. I'm uh. just putting it out there. <laughs> it's kind of, there must be some sort of memory of the link. <laughs> anyway, but we were, you were saying, That's the basis yeah? of sexuality. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. So what's engagement when it is? So the, the uterus, the, the... the head gets, needs to get pushed down. There's a, there's something called the pelvic inlet. So if you look at the skeleton, it's like okay. a funnel. Um, the, the if you look at a skeleton from the bottom, like you're looking up at skirt, right? Normal. Yep. Then you'll see like a round oval type of hole where the pelvis is. That's where you come through. Um, but uh, but obviously the baby needs to sort of move down there. Um, and, and sometimes uh, it doesn't. If it hasn't, if it hasn't, then it can be a problem. Which was in your case, and then you, you had a Caesar. Yes, and then I, so I had a, a somewhat emergency Caesar. It wasn't, a, it was straight through, no labor or anything before that, no attempt at natural childbirth. And there was a woman in the bed next to me in the ward who had had a very quick, s- standard natural childbirth, and I was up and about before her. So, you know, there's all these things about, oh, you know, Caesar's Yeah, terrible, there's a lot of debate around, around uh, Caesar's or, or not Caesar and, 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 um, you know, the medical aides will, will want to kind of make Caesar the bad thing because it costs double the price, essentially, to have a Caesar. Um, 
and there's there's a there's a lot of debate. I mean, the essence is that is that uh, we can have a we have had an obstetrician on, but uh, the essence is that Caesar is probably better for the baby and slightly worse for the mother. There's bleeding risks, uh, infection risks, etc. Um, whereas uh, natural delivery is probably a bit better for mom. Um, and a little bit, a uh, little bit worse for for baby, or a little bit high in risk. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, I mean, that's not even to speak about the the the, the urinary incontinence that you get after you, you see what no, women no, no, do no, no, for no. us. What's yeah. the layman's terms for urinary? No, no, so pissing yourself and 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 uh, unnecessarily. When is that true during yeah, labour? So, no, like no, no, just... no, 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 no. You you poo yourself during labour. Oh. No, this really? is. <laughs> I have just turned flax off children forever. Um, <laughs> How do they call that a magical moment when? No, no, just... there's nothing. Mag- Look, I got that, into huge trouble about two years option. back for uh, for for kind of um, ripping off childbirth because uh, one of my colleagues who wrote an article for the Daily Maverick told us turned around and said how terrible I was and what a magical moment it is. But there's nothing magical about it. It's. Uh, it's uh, look it, it, in private. They try to make it as nice as possible. Private healthcare. They they give you an enema first, so oh, yeah, which is unpleasant yeah. in itself. But um, but so then you won't you won't put yourself because there's nothing there. But, yeah. but assuming you haven't, um, and there's some stool sitting in your rectum, that. then the head of the baby, remember, is pushing is coming through the vagina, and it takes up all the space. It stretches that space out, and uh, it pushes then on the colon. And the colon has to then push whatever's in it out of the way. So the poo comes out. Um, so, yes, yep. you often get baby's head and poo coming at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> Should we Such take a break? Good. Such good lunchtime <laughs> radio. Lunchtime. I, oh, you're yay. Let's take a break and we'll we'll come back and talk about uh, talk about some musculoskeletal injuries from the guys. Yes. yes. How about that? Yes. Okay. <laughs>
Right, back on the health hour. And uh, so we, we'll try to leave behind the obstetrics, gynecology stuff, um, you know, because um, Sia is now not going to eat lunch. No, um, otherwise we'll which turn will to cause the his BMI to drop hour. to from three <laughs> down to two, and then he'll probably die. Um, so spot on, <laughs> spot on. Uh, Flex wants to talk about clubbing. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I don't assume you mean the thing that happens to fingernails. So, no, um, no. I go clubbing a lot about once a week and my friends have started this whole new thing where we no longer having red bull because we used to everyone orders red bull and vodka yeah but i don't understand what's wrong with that um okay so what what's been the like rumor behind why you've stopped apparently it can cause you like it's bad for your heart it leads to heart attacks so look i mean it's not to say that it absolutely can't but um Firstly, you're mixing Red Bull and vodka, and the logic of that is flawed because Red Bull is a stimulant and vodka is a depressant, right? So if anything, we should be mixing Red Bull and tequila um, because tequila is a bit of an upper. Um, so the the thing is that uh, Red Bull's a stimulant. It's got quite a bit of caffeine and some other stimulants in it, which uh, uh, increase uh, a couple of things, one of them in the heart called cyclic AMP, Um and uh, adenosine monophosphate. There you go. See, there's a word for you. Monophosphate. Uh, cyclic, cyclic adenosine monophosphate. Wait, that sounds. Um, no. Short version is. Short version is energy and 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 a, and a well a, 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 a part of an energy building block. Put it that way. Anyway, the bottom line is Red Bull sort of stimulates uh, stimulates your heart and in, can increase your heart rate. Um, the thing is, you'd have to probably have something wrong with your heart um, before you. Red Bull or any of those, I don't want to pick on Red Bull only, but Red Bull Monster, all of them sort of caused anything. I mean, it's interesting because uh, my clinical partner and I at med school used to battle to, well, not even battle to stay up, but we stayed up the whole night studying. And uh, obviously, we had to find a stimulant that wasn't illegal. So, because we didn't have script pads to, to, to <laughs> write scripts for the illegal stuff yet. Um, um, you're honest. Y- y- yeah. <laughs> Don't, yeah, please. I mean, I, I, honestly, I've never, but a whole bunch of my colleagues passed medical school taking Ritalin, beta blockers, et cetera, to like make them concentrate. We'll we get had a lot of that at school yeah. as well. Like even people who don't have an attention issue, is that harmful if you take Ritalin? Yeah, okay. okay so let's, let's okay, finish his okay. Red Bull question. Poor Flex, we're not answering his question. <laughs> so the answer is if there's nothing wrong with your heart. Um, I mean, we took, we took Monster at the time and uh, we tested our blood pressure and our blood pressure went up by about 10 millimeters of mercury um, on, uh, and our heart rate by about 20 beats per minute um, on one sort of Monster. So it does definitely have an imp- impact um, and an influence, but uh, you'd have to probably have something wrong with you. Um, so I can carry on doing it. Carry on drinking a Red Bull. Nothing wrong. I mean, obviously, I, I actually the thing with Red Bull, I'd worry more about the the high sugar content, but that's not a problem anyway at your age, since you you've like see I have a fast metabolism. Wait, thirties will come for you. Well, the story I <laughs> oh, heard about wow. energy drinks is that they they cause your body to heat up and then your organs boil. Nah. So I mean, that's <laughs> a that's like that's a. <laughs> Ecstasy does that to you if you if you if you're the 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 unlucky person to take that ecstasy tablet that that causes that you get can get something called malignant hypothermia. So in which in which case your body heats up to yeah forty forty one forty two could degrees that not happen with and can lots kill of you. energy drinks? No. Nah. So look, I mean, lots of energy drinks. I, that's my piece of advice. So a, a few energy drinks. 
Um, nothing wrong, but I think uh, if you're starting, it's the same as drinking 10 coffees. Same problem. You're going to feel like you're bouncing off the walls, and there's a reason for that. It does exactly the same thing. While we actually talking about the whole body temperature, I just started some gym supplements that raise your core temperature. Yep. And am I going to die? No. <laughs> no. It's, I mean, and same thing. I mean, the thing I always say about all medications, and this is why it's um, uh, so weird, because people will look at uh, what their doctor gives you and tell, tell you how bad it is and the side effects it can cause. And, and Dory and I were having a conversation about one particular drug and the side effects it can cause. But the reality is that anything you put into your body um, can have effects and usually medication supplements all of these things can have potential side effects so those ones that are increasing your core temperature the way they're doing that is um, partially by increasing your your heart rate and also by increasing your metabolic rate to an extent so they you're burning energy faster which is why you burn heat it's also why you in theory burn weight yeah you lose weight and and hopefully um, you build muscle at the same time if you take like a protein supplement or whatever it is. So it's not like just deteriorating my heart. No, no. So look, I, I mean, I, I think once again, if you've got like a history, a family history of uh, heart problems and whatever, I'd be a bit careful. Um, but uh, essentially, all of the stuff in moderation, probably fine. There's always a risk with anything you take, but uh, you're, probably, you're probably okay. All right. You know, all right. Happen? Yeah, I'm gonna go drink and <laughs> gym later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drink and gym and enjoy life. Um, Sia, yes, you you can take things like Ritalin um, and Concerta now is the new one or the newer one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they they do they work. I mean, that's the reality. They they drugs that are designed to make you concentrate essentially and and to even in an, what's the term? I don't want to say a non a non ADHD person so, yes so add or adhd yeah absolutely um you know it's uh it's it's you certainly can uh um if you take them you're gonna you you, you they're probably most people so some people get a reverse effect yeah uh, a friend uh, told me recently he took and he, he got he got the worst add he had ever had he couldn't concentrate on anything for more than five minutes but um but but a lot of people, and as I say, I, I reckon half my med school class was probably on something, um, you know, a prescription drug. So it was legal, inverted commas. Huh. Um, but, uh, yeah, to kind of make you sit down for eight hours and read a book for eight hours solid. How does it do that? What does it do? Uh, it's got to do, and I don't know the exact uh, physiology off the top of my head, but uh, essentially it increases certain hormones in the brain uh, and decreases others. Um, which just make you um, more focused. Are there any foods that we could take that will make us study more? Because <laughs> everyone's got exams coming up, and you probably got to study for like four hours nonstop. So yeah, I mean, look. Firstly, the standard answer: eat healthy. Um, so hmm. all the all the alcohols are bad. Sugar is generally um, high. Sugar foods are generally quite bad. Um, vegetables, all the vegetables, a lot of them have uh, stuff that's um, quite good for your brain. Uh, in terms of being in sort of brain food, as you would think of it. Um, chocolate has interestingly been shown to be 
quite a good brain food. Yes, yeah. I, um, I, I agree. <laughs> but it's a survey conducted. That's it's the only reason you're alive, actually, because yes. you still eat chocolate. That's because you're sitting there going, I want chocolate, I want chocolate. And then you have the chocolate and then you can focus on other things. So, so I, I can't remember the study exactly, but there, there's, there's a fair amount of evidence for chocolate being uh, quite good at, at making you, you're increasing your ability to learn. Um, if you not tons of chocolate, obviously, this is the problem with giving people advice. They always take it in the extreme. So, um, so yeah, look, I mean, essentially healthy, as healthy as you can. Um, those university students who are partaking in the, uh, more illicit drugs, just try stop around your exams because there is no way if you're smoking dope every day that you're oh, going to pass. Okay. It's just, uh, it's highly, highly, highly unlikely. Um, yeah. Is it true that exercise actually makes you study better and like recall yeah. your work? So, so it, it's, it, it's not really, it doesn't change your brain at all, but it increases blood flow. And, uh, because of the increased blood flow, you will probably be able to learn better and study better and for longer without so getting as tired. So you've got to increase the blood flow to your brain to study hard. Yeah. So exercise, I mean, exercise is, uh, you know, it's, it's probably something that should be prescribed almost. Um, it's, it's, uh, we, when you exercise, you improve every part of your health. Um, in terms of uh, flow to your heart, so so exercising for thirty minutes three times a week um, increases in, increases um, your um, or decreases your risk of cardiac disease quite considerably. Just three ta- thirty minutes on a treadmill three times a week is not a lot of exercise. No, you can do that like at home on your stairs. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, and the same thing applies. You know, the increased blood flow you get into your heart, you get the increased blood flow to your kidneys, increased blood flow to the rest of your body, to all your muscles, um, and of course to your brain. And, and, and your brain's no different. Uh, we sometimes think of the brain as being, we don't view it as an organ. We don't see it like a heart or a lung, or a, but it is. It's just an organ. It needs blood and it needs energy and, and so on and so forth. And that's exactly why exercise works like that. So when if I stand upside down before I study increase blood flow? <laughs> Not, no, because it's uh, actually when you stand upside down, you're probably going to decrease some blood flow to some areas of the brain because it's going to start sort of flooding. So the parts of the brain that will constrict so they don't get too much the vessels that will constrict to try stop too much blood from going there. So it's, uh, if you try to do it unnaturally, try to the quick the fix, yeah, you can't beat the system. You can't beat the system. <laughs> I just want to get to um, a few things. Firstly, uh, someone's asked what the <laughs> what was the question about sperm you mentioned earlier. So I, I still have to follow up on the question um, and and the exact answer. But but essentially, the question was a woman who's trying to get pregnant. Her husband is taking supplements for gym, and she wants to know uh, whether or not uh, the supplements are going to affect the quality of the sperm. Uh, and uh, my answer to her was it depends what's in the supplement. So there are several drugs that can affect uh, sperm. Alcohol, as an example, um, affects your sperm. Uh, so usually uh, just a point to make is it's not it affects your sperm in that you'll have a stupid baby. Um, it doesn't affect your sperm genetically necessarily and usually, but, uh, but it, it may affect your sperm in that your sperm count drops. Um, so we've got a big problem. Our sperm counts amongst men uh, in the 21st century are about a third what they were about 60, 70 years ago. Why? Is that 
sorry, CSC is Mark's off. Which Thank is a whole you. We just Why? Is that like the stress and the lifestyle? Yeah, so it's uh, it's got to do with, uh, they believe, stress, diet, um, and uh, yeah, just the, the lifestyles we live, the toxins that are in everything, uh, air pollution. Uh, it's been blamed on almost anything. Um, so our sperm counts are actually dropping. Uh, there's a there's an evolutionary theory that eventually we'll kill ourselves out because we won't be able to have kids. Um, but uh, it's fine. We've we've invented a test tube, so so don't worry about that. But uh, but look, I mean, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna obviously research a question in terms of what's in that that supplement. But certainly, uh, there are definitely uh, lots, plenty of drugs and things we take which uh, which decrease uh, sperm quality, and that's in terms of the number of sperm and how well they swim. Is it is there any way without going to the doctor to check if your sperm is of good quality? Uh, if you've got a microscope going. and you, <laughs> it's not like color <laughs> or taste. No, <laughs> oh. um, <laughs> no, uh, not not really. Not uh, there's no uh, there's no there's no real way. Remember, sperm's made up of a whole bunch of uh, components. Um, obviously, there's sperm themselves. So we're talking about semen now. Um, so sperm, obviously, and then there's a whole bunch of uh, additional components which get added along the way by your prostate. Um, so uh, you, there's no real way to judge whether you've, you've got uh, uh, semen with a lot of sperm in it or just semen with not really much going on. Uh, you have to generally go to a lab and they'll put it on a microscope. So you can't just go to your GP? He'll take the... No, they, so they send it off. It's uh, You've got to... You've got to go to your GP. You've got to uh, give him a sample, okay? Uh, and then he has to send the sample off to the lab. I think it's within three hours. Um, they keep it quiet. They try to keep it nice and warmish. Um, and then they analyze it and tell you whether you've got good or bad sperm. So this doesn't usually happen unless you've got like, a fertility issue. Yeah, I was wondering why. It, it, do you would, would you, do you want to be infertile? No, I'm now a hypochondriac <laughs> as of the last half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Something you want to tell us? No, it's, it's, <laughs> let me let me get on to before we get towards the end of the show. There was just a question about the difference between period pains and endometriosis, and uh, where does hormonal treatment fit in? So, firstly, to say that they're completely two different things. Period pains are. Uh, I don't want to say a natural, a natural phenomenon, but they are essentially. If, if you have periods, you're going to have an em- element of period pain. For some women, it's worse than others. Um, that's uh, often linked to um, the uh, hormone levels, which is why you get you get put on something like a contraceptive, which sometimes helps with the period pain. Um, and then, in terms of endometriosis, endometriosis is a very different uh, um, condition altogether, in which um, you can have, you essentially have uh, uterine tissue um, elsewhere in the body. So you can have uterine tissue in your nose and get a nosebleed at the time of your period because it's stimulating the same tissue, if that makes sense. So it's a, that's a quite a, it's a, it's a severe example, but... Um, there, uh, it's a completely different, uh, disease and certainly hormonal therapy, um, is, um, a fair part about, uh, of it and of controlling it. So there's hormonal therapy, um, there's also, um, you, you can even at worst undergo surgery, but, uh, that is quite, uh, quite extensive. And to the person who asked the question, 
Um, if you're battling with it, it's definitely something to go see a gynecologist about because they are the experts on that. Cool, guys. We're getting towards the end, and I'm renowned for taking a penny show. So um, <laughs> just quickly, Sia's got a knee that keeps coming out. Yes. Well, it doesn't come out. It's just a popping sound from my knee. And this Is it yes, sore? It's not sore, but it's worrying. And yes, I am a chocolate guy who does like the breaststroke, and like I, 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 I can actually <laughs> hear it. Okay, and every when you do breaststroke, you can you can hear. Well, the, like in a weird little like twisting motion of the knee, it pops. Yeah, have you ever injured your knee before? Because it sounds like your one of your ligaments is loose. Do you think like I need to drink milk? What if it's? Do you know what I always <laughs> think about? I always see like the two. What is it? Uh, give me a moment, then I'll start to think. Very femur. Isn't that like a yes, bone the, in the leg? The femur is the see? biggest bone exactly. in the body. Like the, the top femur the and the knee joint just gnashing together with no... Yes, but if that was happening, you'd be in severe pain because that's what arthritis is. Oh, I just feel like a tingle now. So did you ever play rugby and get knocked in the knee? I actually did. <laughs> I actually did play rugby. So you might have injured the ligament and, and as a result now it's a, it's a bit loose because um, well, when you injure it, it can become a bit sort of lax. Okay, and, here's the uh, thing, though. Since I don't feel any pain and I'll just let it be, if I don't get Yeah, leave it, leave it alone. No, leave yeah, it so alone. So it won't be... No, no, it shouldn't be a problem. If, you, if, you're not, if it's not uh, preventing you from walking properly and uh, living your normal activities of daily living, leave it alone. Okay. Um, a, a message to uh, everyone is uh, doctors are wonderful things when you need them, um, when you absolutely need them. But if you don't, uh, avoid doctors, avoid surgeons, <laughs> avoid all of us. Um, there are complications to seeing us. Um, thank you for joining us on the Health Hour today. Yes, thank to you. To Michael, to Dory, and to Sia. Thanks a million. It was a fun show. And I'll see you guys. I won't see you guys next week. Uh, Cindy Fanzel's in for me chatting to uh, Doctors Without Borders. And I'll see you the following week.